What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, uh, joined as always by my co-host, David Lake. It is Virginia week. We are going to talk a little bit of that, get into some recruiting on this episode of the podcast, and I don't know, don't have much of a script in place. David, how you, how you holding up? Good, yeah. We're just kind of freestyling here, but um, you know, I think there's plenty to talk about here. It is Virginia week. I feel like you know, there's less buzz than in recent Virginia weeks just because there's a lot of unknowns with this Virginia team and just on paper. It's not a, you know, on the surface, it's not an impressive Virginia team. But we'll get, we'll get into it more about why maybe Miami should take this team more seriously than it looks like they are on paper. But yeah, plenty to get into. And, and I guess, you know, the, the big news of the week is going to be the, the wide receiver depth chart, right? Yeah, I mean, this is something that, uh, I mean, I don't know if me and you have been calling for them to make changes at wide receiver. I think we've just been saying uh, that the group's disappointing, uh, but there's a lot of fans and I'm sure listeners out there that have been calling for a youth movement. Um, we saw some of the young guys play against uh, Pittsburgh. You know, Keyshawn Smith, I think he got a season high or career high in snaps. I don't, I don't have the exact number in front of me, I'm sure. 33. Yeah, 33, 33 snaps. snaps. But on Monday, Miami posts their uh, weekly depth chart. And to be fair, like I can't recall many instances where there was actually things changed uh, right. under the Mark Richt era or even like last season under Manny Diaz. Like it was kind of normally just like the same piece of paper every week. Um, but they put it out on Monday and pretty much it's a bunch of oars, oars and oars at uh, wide receivers. So I, I guess are there, you could say that everyone's a co-starter or you could just say that they don't have starters right now. Right. I think so uh, again, to your point about the depth chart, it is, it, it is interesting because the previous week, they uh, they kind of had a, a situation, similar situation with uh, co-starters at punt return. And I asked Manny Diaz, no, I'm sorry. They, they left Mark Pope as the starter at punt return. And I asked Manny Diaz, you know, why did you feel like leaving Mark Pope as the starter is the right thing to do? And he was like, ah, Monday depth charts. You don't need to read anything into those. Like <laughs> those don't mean anything. So I guess he has changed his tune. And look, I think when, when, we, when we directly asked Manny about it, he did kind of brush it off more so. I think the message he's trying to send is, look, snaps are up for grabs. So I don't necessarily think much is going to change in terms of like who trots out there uh, at, with the starting group, the starting offense. But I do think we're going to see, you know, Keyshawn Smith continue to get around 30 snaps. I think, you know, Rhett Lashley honestly dropped some nuggets. I don't think he meant to drop, but he was basically saying Michael Redding was trending very nicely and he sustained some, some little nagging minor injuries. And that's why his uh, snap totals dropped a little bit after that Florida State game. And so now I guess he's kind of put those little nagging injuries behind him and we might see more of his snap count rising. And then he also said the same of Jeremiah Payton too, to be honest. He said, 
he thought Jeremiah Payton was trending very nicely um, through that first game against UAB. And, you know, he had that unavailable, unavailable situation at Louisville, which bled into the uh, Florida State game, right? So, and, and Lashley kind of said that knocked Jeremiah Payton off track a little bit, and he's hoping to get him going. So, you know, I think the big takeaway is, look, they're trying to send the message to the older guys, look, if you're not getting it done, we're going to give these younger guys opportunities to get it done. So you need to step it up or else we're going to give these young guys opportunities. And if they, if they make the most of those chances, they are going to be starters. So, and look, it makes sense. And I think one of the big takeaways from the college football weekend this past weekend from that Alabama Georgia game in general is just, if you want to win at the highest level, you need wide receivers to win one-on-one down the field. Yeah. And if you can't do that, the ceiling of how good you can be is limited. Yeah, no, you're right. And it goes back to the preseason or the summer months or the quarantine months when I had Charles Power um, – of 24 seven sports kind of on the podcast. And he explained how wide receivers are the new arms race in, um, yeah. in, in football in general. I mean, look at the NFL now and uh, right. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, if you play fantasy football, you know that it's so much more valuable to have a better or in some leagues and formats better to have a good wide receiver than it is a running back. And I just think everyone wants that. Um, when Miami went on that month-long stretch when they added Romello Brinson, Jacoby George, and Brashard Smith to their recruiting class, we brought up how that's a massive deal because you need talented pass catchers. And um, so that's, that's not surprising that that's your takeaway from watching two uh, blue-blood college football programs at the highest level, Alabama and Georgia. Like, they have guys that can get open. Um, and you know, we've touched on George Pickens in the past. I mean, what, what would Miami's offense look like with him or heck, you know, I think a lot of people forget Jermaine Burton was at one time committed to Miami, albeit he never actually visited campus, but, um, they've been in the conversation with some of those guys. They just haven't got any of them, uh, in the boat. Right. And, And I think another thing worth noting is both Manny and Rhett brought up on their own they mentioned they felt like Mark Pope did have a good game against Pittsburgh. They were kind of hinting that it was, it was his best game of the season. And, you know, I, I, the thing I find interesting about that is in my opinion, they used Mark Pope differently. They used him more in the short passing game and the intermediate passing game to try and feed him the ball quickly and allow his, uh, yards after catch ability to show rather than using him. Cause I think in every single game prior to this pit game, they had used him as that kind of X receiver guy on the outside, taking deep shots to him. And I think we've now learned that Mark Pope isn't that guy right. and against, it, against no, Pittsburgh. I'm- they didn't take any deep shots to him. So I'm hopeful that this is the new way they are going to use Mark Pope. And it wasn't just like a one week, oh, this is the best way to use Mark Pope against Pittsburgh situation. Well, I just go back to Mark Pope's high school career. I mean, we, you obviously 
loved him coming out. I was high on him as well. And while there were a ton of clips of him in seven on seven, getting past defenses and, you know, noodle scoring uh, all the time. I mean, like, I mean, literally put his name in YouTube. You'll just find those clips over and over again. Like his game, I always thought was more of the uh, get him in space and just right. kind of let him work, um, let him work east west, not exactly north south. So, you know, I I guess I didn't really put that together that that's what they kind of did against Pittsburgh. But I've always thought he's that and not some outside guy that's going to go and, and yeah. win balls. Right, and I think. The, the feeling I get, and I'm reading into this, I think Rhett Lashley is very intrigued by Keyshawn Smith. And I think he believes Keyshawn Smith. And I think he also kind of thinks Jeremiah Payton can potentially be those type of guys. Um, will they be those type of guys this year? That's going to be the huge question for this Miami offense, right? We talk about the ceiling of what this Miami team can be. Honestly, it kind of boils down to, can they find some sort of, deep threat receiver that defenses have to respect. And, you know, I think unfair, fair or unfair, it's either going to be redshirt freshman Jeremiah Payton or true freshman Keyshawn Smith that has to step up and take on that role. And it probably is unfair and it probably is asking too much, but that's just the situation Miami's in right now. Are you excited about Keyshawn Smith? Like, yes. Why? Yes, he can really run. He really, really, really can run. Um, in terms of like football speed, he might be the fastest receiver on the team. Um, it just, you know, guy in pads, it translates. You can see it. He was getting behind that Pittsburgh defense um, when, he was, when he was running those takeoffs. So, you know, again, he's a true freshman. So, and, and I don't think anyone expected him to be like an Amon Richards freshman All-American type of receiver. Um, but I do think down the road, he's going to be a good receiver for this offense. And it's just, it's just a matter of when. And this, this 2020 offense does need him to start putting, putting it together now. And we'll see if it happens. Um, so I guess we should not label jeremiah payton as a bust yet like we are still he's dealing with some injuries and, and and that's the issue it really did seem like rhett lashley is a believer in him so i don't think we should give up on him yet it, it is again like there to me it seems to be more like mental busts with him like i mean we've talked about it but just him and Derek don't seem to be on the same page a lot so um you know, is it, we haven't really necessarily seen him have an opportunity to be downfield and fight for a contested catch. I think you and I both think he has that ability somewhat, um, but we haven't really seen it yet. So again, he was unavailable for the Louisville game. Read into that however you want to read into that. I'm not here to talk about what that means, but he was unavailable against Louisville. And I think the belief around the, the coaching staff is okay. That, that kind of hurt his trajectory, you know, for a couple to, for two to three weeks, hopefully they can get him back on track now, you know, as we near the second half of the season. Um, do they think Brevin Jordan will play this upcoming Saturday? Have we got a status update on him yet? 
they didn't. So Manny wasn't asked. Um, I don't think Manny's going to tell us. I'm sure sometimes Manny talks to the media on Wednesday and I'm sure he will be asked on Wednesday. Um, so we'll see, you know, this is totally me guessing. I would assume that Manny will say he is questionable. And if I'm, if I'm Miami, I try to win this game without Brevin and, you know, get through the bye week. So you buy more time for Brevin to heal. And then you have him for NC State, Virginia Tech, et cetera, fully healthy or as healthy as possible. Um, that's what I would do. And so we'll see, I guess, what Manny says on Wednesday in regards to Brevin being available. It might not be that, that serious, though, too. Like, you know, it's believed that it was a shoulder deal that he injured, you know, at Clemson. But, you know, I'll say this, like, we saw him on the field during this uh, recent game against Pittsburgh. He was on the sideline. And he wasn't, like, his arm wasn't in a sling or anything like that. So it might not even be that serious of a thing. Uh, but again, if it were me, I would I would try and get through this Virginia game without him, rest him up even more through the bye week, and then get him rolling for that final stretch run. Something else that was brought up uh, during Monday's Zoom session that I know you wrote about and it kind of caught my attention, um, Tyler Van Dyke, the staff seems to still be very high on him. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I asked the question, so, okay. and you know, I set it up. So basically what I wanted to know is, you know, I asked Rhett Lashley, like, look, um, cause I think this is a, an underrated storyline with this Miami program for the last 15 or so years. I think one of the issues Miami has had is, unless a quarterback is playing. So unless they're playing as a fresh, true freshman or redshirt freshman, in my opinion, Miami has not had much success or the culture's off. However you want to look at it. They haven't had many young quarterbacks who um, take the right approach to a quote unquote redshirt year. Now I understand there are no redshirts this year, but it essentially is a redshirt year for Tyler Van Dyke. And so what I wanted to ask, you know, Rhett Lashley was, look, are you pleased with Tyler's approach uh, during this fall? Like, is he taking it seriously? You know, the, the preparation, is he trying to improve and get better? Or is he, is he simply going through the motions that, you know, the last 15 years, quite frankly, most freshmen that have redshirted at Miami at the quarterback position, have done. And Rhett said, you know, and, and look, who knows, he might be blowing smoke, but I, I take him at his word. He said, you know, he, he's been impressed with Tyler Van Dyke's maturity. He said a lot of times at this midpoint of the fall, he can see a lot of freshmen kind of hit a wall in terms of getting tired or, you know, just disinterested in, in you know, putting in the work, even though they're not going to play but that has not been the case with Tyler. And so, yeah, I do think he is impressed with the overall approach that Tyler is showing in terms of wanting to get better, wanting to improve, wanting to develop. 
and you know that is a good sign so um you know i do think it was an interesting again i asked it but i i think it was an interesting little nugget that rhett lashley told us about tyler van dyke the other guy that seemed to um generate a bunch of stories and reaction on twitter gerard harrison hunt the defensive lineman. Yeah. Is that the first time he's met with the media since uh, last year's media day where all the freshmen are available? Yeah, he spoke after the game uh, against Pittsburgh, but you know those are usually short and sweet and guys are tired, so they're not really – sometimes they don't really love to talk after games. But, yeah, he spoke again to us on Tuesday. And, you know, we got to dig more into, like, his background with with playing basketball and transitioning to football, et cetera. And, and he was definitely – he had fun with it, talking about basketball. He said, you know, Quincy Roche is a guy that thinks he can beat uh, Jared in one-on-one. And so – and Quincy brought this up, too. He said, I want Jared – I want Jared on the court sometimes. Show him what I can do. So there's a little friendly rivalry there. Jared was asked, who are the best basketball players on the team that you've seen? He mentioned Jeremiah Payton. He's, he liked his hoop skills. And he also mentioned Cam Williams. Um, he said he, he's, he's kind of a good hooper too. So um, he talked about how he honestly didn't play football at all until he was a junior in high school. And even then, he you know, mainly played tight end that year. And then, you know, he dabbled a little bit, I guess, on the D-line. And he kind of started to focus more on just D-tackle, D-line, his senior year of high school. And, uh, you know, things took off from there. He said he only had one. He said growing up, like, he was essentially always a guard. He was like a six-foot-four guard as a freshman and sophomore in high school, but he just stopped growing tall. But he's, you know continued to grow wide i guess you could say <laughs> he's so not he, he doesn't have like a bad body it's like he's just no you know, no i'm not saying that but for basketball you know basketball thick, guys thick right so you know he had to transition to power forward a little bit as his high school career continued in basketball and so you know as that happened a lot of uh you know coaches started saying, hey, you should get football try. You should get football try. You should get football try. So he finally did. And, uh, you know, it's definitely paying off for him. He said the one thing that Coach Stroud uh, really is stressing to him this season is just to continue to watch his pad level. He admits that he still plays a little too high at times. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the focus for him. Throughout this season, as you know, he admittedly is still very new to the position. So he's just scratching the surface of what he's going to be. Uh, you know, you and I have always said, like, day one, we saw him fall camp last year, right? And we were like, yeah. yo, that's RJ McIntosh all over again. And Probably better. He might be. He might be. He isn't yet. So, but yeah, I mean, I think he might be. Um, I think the comp is definitely a good one though, no matter what. And, uh, it's, he's definitely, we'll see how the rest of this season goes, because like I said, he's just scratching the surface and can get much better, um, you know, by the end of his career. I think this is the perfect time for me to 
maybe drop the story about how like Gerard Harrison Hunt ended up at Miami because it's not like he was right. an initial target um, from the jump. So if everyone remembers, uh, so he was class of 2019, one of my favorite favorite classes, even though it wasn't uh, ranked high, but he was from Christ the King Middle or School and and Middle Middle Village, New York, um, Miami. Uh, they will frequent New York, but it's not like that's a, a spot that they're always traveling to, but um, they eventually had to because Jason Blissett, who's a another redshirt freshman defensive tackle, he came down for Paradise Camp on his own, flew his own way down, uh, mm-hmm. impressed the staff, landed an offer, uh, ended up committing in August. So during Miami's bye week, they kind of like had to – you know, not kind of, I mean, they went up there to see their guy. That's normally what you do in a non COVID off season or non COVID season, excuse me, you get out on the road and you see your guys on the bye weeks. Uh, while I think, um, I know Jonathan Pack, he was up there. Uh, Jess Simpson also made his way up there. I mean, they hit some other schools in the area and that's where they kind of found Gerard Harrison hunt. I mean, he was like real late on, you know, a couple yeah. of months before the early signing periods when Miami had got involved. And initially it wasn't like, Oh, you know, this is, this is a guy for us. We, we got to get this guy. It was like, well, well, we'll recruit him because we're already investing some resources and in going up into uh, New York. And then eventually um, I think the decision was made to just kind of go for it. And I, I think it's, it's a great get for Miami and I, I kind of knew that from the jump um, just just to kind of get the the mind churning some other guys at Miami were kind of like after um, that cycle remember there was there was a time when when Tyler Davis was a big target for them the kid out right. of Apopka who's now at Clemson I'm sure everyone saw him this past weekend he was a target over the summer so Miami knew that they kind of wanted one or two uh, more defensive tackles to pair with Jason Blissett, uh, ended up getting Jalar Hawley, who was another Paradise Camp kid. And then uh, they went all in on Ger- Gerard Harrison Hunt, who was also considering, I think, Michigan. Uh, Penn State was in there. Um, but he he could end up being like the gym of the class. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say it fell into Miami's lap, but like he wasn't initially someone that they ident- identified. And like, I think he's just an absolute. Uh, stud tell me if I remember this right I mean you you actually do recruiting um was Penn State sniffing around did they slow play him do I do I remember that right like Penn State was kind of involved with Jared oh no they were I mean he took an official visit there uh in December then he took an official visit to Miami um when Miami had everyone they had a ton of kids in that weekend Keon Zipper Lloyd Summerall um, and then you know there was just a weird vibe and atmosphere because that's kind of when Miami ended that season bad and they ended up going to the pinstripe bowl um, and we know right. the result there to Wisconsin but what's funny is when Miami was in New York Gerard Harrison Hunt had the opportunity to go see them practice um, right. so then you know Miami loses that game Mark Richt ends up uh, stepping down 
Manny Diaz leaves for Temple, Manny Diaz is rehired. Well, with all that transition and change, the NCAA allows kids to take another official visit. Uh, so Miami got him to take uh, another official visit with uh, his teammate, Adam Elgamal, the offensive lineman. Uh, committed on February 1st, signed five days later, um, and the rest is history. And I, I do also have to throw in there that Craig Kuligowski, um met with him in January as well when he was yeah. in Tide. So Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I remembered like Bama sniffing around too, right? Yes, they were. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not like – like he was, he was kind of a late bloomer, but it's not like he was some um, – uh, you know, oh, who's this basketball guy? And Miami was the only one. Like, there were a lot of big time programs kind of still after him. Right. Maybe I not. think it, I think what he was was a a plan like B for a lot of schools where you keep recruiting and then right. you have your elite elite guys and then like if the decision is made, hey, we need to get this guy, let's go get him. Um, you know, Miami didn't offer till November 29th. That's very late. Michigan offered a week later, Alabama a week after that, same with um, some other schools. And, you know, he took an official visit to Ohio State. Arizona State was at one time considered uh, a front runner in that recruitment. Just just a wild recruitment. And I – Yeah. It's – I don't know. It's one of those stories that makes recruiting and, and the whole following recruiting fun because he's a guy that, like I said, really wasn't on the radar and he wouldn't have been on the radar – if Jason Blissett didn't decide that, hey, he wanted to come to Paradise Camp uh, and earn himself a spot at Miami. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too. Like, you know, he was, like you said, he was a plan B for pretty much every school. And, I mean, you could even honestly say that about Miami. And he's going to leave Miami most likely as a NFL draft pick who's, you know, potentially could get drafted higher than a lot of these plan A's that these schools had over him. So recruiting's interesting. And again, like it's one of those deals too, where it's like, you never know. A lot of programs uh, don't know. I would say it's different with Miami because they do recruit so much locally. So they do know what they're going to get when they, when they get the guys they get. But like you and I never really saw Jared Harrison hunt before fall camp. And so that first fall camp, we were like, whoa, this guy, <laughs> yeah. this guy is a dude. So it's, it's, it is an interesting story. And final thing on him. Um, remember last year, Manny kept saying that he felt like uh, the three in, the interior defense alignment they got were like really good. And everyone was yes. like, what? Like, you know, it's a yeah. bunch of three stars. And I think a lot of people thought Jason Blissett was going to be the guy. Right. Just, you know. right. Um, let's take a quick break, get into Virginia on the other side, and, and talk a little recruiting, current 2021 recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David, Virginia week. Uh, Miami playing them at home for the second second consecutive season. That's got to be pretty, pretty, pretty rare, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, never. You never get to do that, except it's 2020 and things are weird and different. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, Miami... Virginia always as well not always, but they've played Miami tough typically during this Bronco Mendenhall era. It was one of, you know, was it their best win of 2019? It probably was, right? Because I was their like only win over a ranked team. Right. I mean, Virginia I mean, went on you, to win the yeah. coastal and uh, you know, Miami squeaked out a I believe it was like 17 to 9, something ridiculous like that, with Nicosi Perry at quarterback. So it was it was their best win of of 2019, and Miami gets to run it back again at at Hard Rock Stadium against them. The one thing I remember from last year's Virginia game, aside from it being on a Friday night, aside from Miami wearing all white at home, um, was the line was like super weird. I think it yeah. was like they Miami, were still but, favored, right? Miami but like was. Two, two points. Yeah, and I was I know. like, I just I thought I it was so because. Things were a train wreck then, right? Like, didn't they just lose to Virginia Tech? Yes. Oh, and, yeah. It was, uh, it was the know. lowest of lows. <laughs> but Vegas Vegas was right. So, um, you know, this week, Miami, speaking of Vegas, is this this week's game, Miami opens as a 10, 10 and a half point favorite, correct? Yeah, I haven't looked at the number. I don't know what it is now, so don't put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyways, you know, it just shows how, Vegas thinks Miami's is a somewhat of a of a strong favorite again, and you know I think it is an indication of of how much Virginia is struggling right now, and a lot of it honestly is due to injuries because they enter this game with a one and three record. I don't think they are a one and three caliber team. I think that's kind of misleading, but they have they have been hit hard by the injury bug, starting at quarterback where. You know, Brennan Armstrong, we talked about in the last podcast, he's, he's been in the concussion protocol, um, you know, for, for a concussion he sustained two games ago. So he, and, and then this past game, which they lost to Wake Forest, he was not available due to the concussion protocol. And on Monday, Bronco Mendenhall said he was still in the concussion, concussion protocol that day. And, you know, his status was up in the air. He might be able to return for Miami. He might not. Um, My understanding is that Virginia generally plays it pretty safe or or slow, I guess I should say, with with concussion protocol type stuff. They don't really rush their guys back, which is good. Shouldn't do that. So um, we'll see. We'll see what what happens with Brennan. I, I think Bronco Mendenhall talks again either on Wednesday or Thursday. And I'm sure he'll he'll be asked to give an update then. But, you know, after Brennan Armstrong, there's really not many great options, I would say. I think so far what Virginia has tried to do 
is piece together things with a three-man rotation. Um, so you got a guy named Lindell Stone, who's kind of like the thrower of the group. He's not like a strong-arm quarterback or anything, but he's kind of a distributor, a guy who understands where to go with the ball. Again, doesn't have the most arm talent, but I guess he would be the quote-unquote passer. And then you got two guys, Keaton Thompson, who's a Mississippi State transfer, about 6'4", 215, that can bring some running ability. This past week uh, against Wake Forest, they used him a lot as like a wildcat type of option. My understanding is that he sustained kind of a, a shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder during fall camp. And so that's why I guess he was, he was kind of knocked out of the starting quarterback race during fall camp. And it, there's, there's kind of some uncertainty of whether or not that shoulder injury is cleared up and he's able to throw better now, but he still hasn't really attempted many passes to this point. So when he's in the game, it, it would be kind of like a wildcat look. And then the other guy they're using is, is true freshman Ira Armstead, who I guess the feeling around Virginia is he's got the biggest arm of the group and he is the most athletic of the group, but he is a true freshman. And I guess at times when he's out there, his head will be spinning a little bit because things are happening fast. So, you know, it's not an ideal quarterback situation um for Virginia entering this game and um you know the way it does play out is going to be is is going to significantly impact how the game goes if if Brennan Armstrong plays the the starter Virginia's a real team and they are good enough to take down a Miami team that you know if Miami tries to sleepwalk through Virginia Brennan Armstrong's good enough to pop them the other guys, this, I'm not so sure, but oh. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. No, I, you got to mention, too, as well, that Joe Reed uh, has graduated from Georgia – or not Georgia, why yes. did I say Georgia, from Virginia. Um, he was a pretty good player for them, and obviously Bryce Perkins as well. I was going to say, though, you mentioned not being able to sleepwalk. Like, there is talent on the yes. defensive side of the ball, for sure. There is. I – and, and that's another interesting point with this Virginia team, too. They've been hit by injuries in their secondary. Um, so a lot of their starters in the secondary have been dealing with injuries on and off. And so that has forced, I guess, the move, I guess it should be phrased, the move that the Virginia coaching staff has made in light of those injuries happening is they have asked their impressive linebackers to drop back more into coverage and help in that regard. So guys like Charles Snowden, Ugh, guys, yes, very good. Um, Noah Taylor, who's another edge outside linebacker, that's 6'5". So Charles Snowden, 6'7". They're asking these guys more to drop back during these injury situations they're dealing with in the secondary there hasn't been much success in doing that. And so the feeling around Virginia now is like, all right, we're going to scrap that and we're going to get back to letting these guys be aggressive and whatever happens happens. Um, because, you know, just like points per game, Virginia is allowing way more points than they typically do during the Bronco Mendenhall era. They're allowing a lot more big plays than they typically do during the Bronco Mendenhall era. So, 
the Virgin, the defense, you're right. It does have some NFL personnel, but for whatever reason, they're not playing at the typical Bronco Mendenhall level that we've come to know in the last two or three years. It's, I didn't know that about uh, Snowden being asked to drop more into coverage. I was kind of wondering why there hasn't been more uh, NFL draft type hype, but that would make sense. I think he's more of like a, you know, edge rusher type guy. Um, he is. Yeah defensive catalyst at the at the next level um so i i guess we'll get more into it uh at a, on a later podcast but just your initial keys to the game for miami um aside from the usual not coming out flat <laughs> well yeah i mean as we know with this miami program that is a big one but um yeah i mean you know look virginia it's going to be very similar to Pittsburgh in terms of what they want to try and force Miami to do offensively. Like I'm expecting Virginia to try and stop the run first and force Miami to win the game passing. Now, Virginia's secondary, I think, is playing worse than what Pittsburgh's secondary is. Um, so we'll see if Miami can take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's really, it's, it's going to be, I think the way to look at it is like Pittsburgh light, right? So like, I think Pittsburgh's probably a little better, but like Pittsburgh might be, you might be having to play their backup quarterback, just like Pittsburgh did. And, you know, Pittsburgh's defense wanted to stop the run, force you to beat them with explosive plays. That's kind of what Virginia's going to do. Virginia's going to do it a little differently. Uh, their scheme is differently, but just big picture wise, that's kind of what it's going to be uh, kind of a similar style of game in my opinion. Um, it's funny. I, I know we, I know we've moved on from the uh, whole Gerard Harrison hunt conversation, but I did just come across something. Uh, one other interior defense alignment that Miami was after that cycle was uh, Braylon Ingraham. I don't think he has done anything at uh, Georgia or Alabama, excuse me. Um, you want to get into uh, Jake Garcia and Amari Daniels? Yeah, let's do it. So some big recruiting news, right? So let's start with quarterback target, Jake Garcia. The saga continues his, <laughs> his quest to play a senior season in the state of Georgia. Tell us what we need to know. Well, I mean, there's reports and um, some people have indicated you know, uh, the stadium podcast or whatever is reported that uh, Jake is transferred to uh, Grayson High School in Georgia. I think that's outside of Atlanta in Loganville, yeah. the traditional powerhouse, same school that uh, Ja'Kai Clark came from. Uh, they said he's transferred there. He, he's eligible and he'll be able to play some games this season. Now, I think there's only three regular season games left for uh, Grayson, which is, um, you know, I don't really know how it's going to work, but this would be his fifth high school, uh, to date, which is a little, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that transcript's going to work out, but that is, that is the, the update with him. Well, we got to throw in there that the AGC, the Atlanta journal constitution, they wrote a story, um, Tuesday morning or afternoon stating that, you know, basically 
nothing's official. No one has enrolled at Grayson and, and the people at Valdosta say he's still enrolled at Valdosta. So something to, something to track. I reached out to the people I know in Jake Garcia's camp and, um, which isn't his family, just, you know, some people around him. And they said that they thought he was still at Valdosta. So who okay. really knows what's going on? Um, but I, I mean, there's probably some people wondering what, like, why is he so set on, you know, trying to play games? And it's, I think I've touched on this before, but you know, that senior year is so crucial for a quarterback's development. Um, right. And, and to only play one game after being limited the season before, a while out in California isn't exactly ideal. And, you know, USC where he's committed, they offered a, another quarterback, uh, another 2021 quarterback. Was it last week or the week before? Um, and some people are wondering like, what's up with that? You know, they, they're, they're saying that that offer has nothing to do with Jake Garcia. But as I wrote in an insider on Sunday for the VIP subscribers at inside the U.com, you know, I've had the theory introduced to me, um, that maybe, you know, USC's a little concerned that Jake Garcia isn't playing a senior season. Like, that's not ideal, you know, in terms right. of your quarterback because he's going to enroll early. So, who knows? This is getting weirder by the day. Um, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, actually, I'm not going to be pissed, but, like, it's going to suck that we took all these photos of him in this Valdosta gear and then he just enrolls at Grayson uh, two weeks later. Hey, it is what it is. But yeah, hopefully, um, you know, whatever he wants to do, hopefully he works out. If he does want to play at Grayson, you know, and it is able to play, I'm here for it. It's 2020. As I've mentioned, you know, with his Valdosta situation, like the dude moved from California to Georgia just so he could play because 2020 is weird. They're not playing high school football in California. So He's just trying to get that done. So I don't understand why Georgia's giving him such a hard time. But it is what it is. Um, anything else on Jake or move on to Amari Daniels? Oh, go, move on to the next one. So running back target out of Miami Central, Amari Daniels. I guess he's set to make a decision this week, right? But he dropped yeah. a top two. Yes. So Amari's been saying for a while now, uh, that the plan is to have a decision or, or make a commitment before the first game of his senior season. Uh, Miami Central is set to face Miami Northwestern in a epic season opener uh, on Friday. So there's talk of uh, Amari committing on Thursday. He told me, or he, he he told me yes, he was committing this week, and then didn't answer when. Uh, a little bit after that, he put out a top two of Georgia and Texas A&M. Um, surprising, I, I think surprising to the people that work inside the football offices in, in Coral Gables. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I thought Miami had made up a ton of ground a month ago, uh, and, and was kind of trending, but Amari seems to be taking a calculated decision as closely studied all the offenses of these schools that are, he's considering. And now it sounds like, I mean, his top two is Texas A&M and Georgia, you know, again, I wrote on Sunday for our VIP subscribers that I was hearing the Bulldogs had um, picked up some steam in that recruitment. I mean, my crystal ball is still on Miami. It's a confidence score of a one. I'm going to move it somewhere. I just don't know where yet. Uh, yeah, but is this a big blow for Miami? I don't think so. Um, you have Thad Franklin committed. If you don't get Amari Daniels, this probably keeps 
Thad absolutely in the class. And after these past two weeks, I know Miami has faced um, the two of like the top five rushing defenses in the country. But you know, Cam Cam Williams or Cam Harris, excuse me, uh, his his draft stock was was pretty high after the first three games. But I I haven't seen anything out there anymore. Like I don't think um, his right. what he did against. Clemson and then what he did against Pittsburgh screams leave early. Do you think Miami will go after a running back, you know, to join to pair Thad Franklin with, or do you think they would just call it a class with that? I think they would just call it a class. Okay. And uh, so Georgia, Texas A&M, Georgia's making a late surge. What do you do? You think it just does boil down to like he likes the way those offenses run the ball? Well, I think he's also, you know, maybe not concerned, but you know, look, like Jalen Knighton and and Don Chaney are still playing, and both those guys, like this year, doesn't even technically count for them. So I think that that would have to be taken into consideration. Right, right, yeah, because you know, like you said, there's no like everyone gets a free year this year. So Jalen Knight and Don Chaney would still be true freshmen next year. And so that does make a bit of a log jam, but interesting nonetheless, that's why South Florida recruiting never uh, ceases to be entertaining and fun to follow. And I, I will throw, throw this in. I mean, like, you know, just because he has this top two doesn't mean like Miami's completely out of it. I know Miami was scheduled to speak with him on Monday. Um, so I, it's recruiting in South Florida, you know, a lot of smoke screens get tried to thrown around this time of the year. So we'll see, like, I'm not saying like, Oh, Miami's going to be the pick, but still one, you probably got to monitor if you're a big recruiting fan. Cause again, literally anything could happen. Anything else recruiting wise or, or high school football wise, you went to some, some big games over the weekend. Anything stand out in that regard with Miami targets or big time players? I think James Williams is uh is pretty good. Um, you know, he made a kind of a boneheaded mistake in, in the special teams department on, on Friday night. Um American Heritage Plantation was was taken on Jacksonville Trinity Christian Academy in a, a real I mean, that's probably one of the better games or matchups you're gonna get across the state this season. Uh zero zero game throughout. And I've had I've told this to so many different people and they're like how was that entertaining and i'm like i don't know i you like you just intense yeah there's a different style of football like in the sunshine state everyone puts their best players on defense like none of your like you know for some reason uh that's what everyone wants to do like yeah in texas the big 12 there's no defenses that's because everyone wants to play offense and then in the sec and parts of the acc there's all these good defenses because all the good players grow up playing defense. So, right. uh, it, you know, it was a good slug fest and, um, Trinity, I mean, no one was moving the ball and, and Trinity Christian decided to punt, I think with 18 seconds left, uh, James was back there. It, it bounced off him and basically shut up a short field goal for Trinity Christian Academy. You know, then the entire plantation special teams, defensive unit tried to, Blocked the kick, ended up jumping off sides three times, and uh, Trinity Christian uh, hit a field goal to win it. So James was verbally upset. Um, I will say if he does indeed sign with Miami, he's going to be um, not like a 
a, a team leader, but like he is someone will, that will absolutely care about winning or losing. Uh, right. and give me, give me those guys in my locker room. Uh, one more nugget from that game. And I just wrote this uh, on the site um, for, for our VIP subscribers. But by the time this podcast is up, I'm sure it'll be tweeted out for free everywhere else. Uh, Miami has made contact with uh, Minnesota offensive tackle commit Austin Barber. I don't know, David, if you remember this kid from the Under yeah, Armour Orlando camp. I do, actually. Yeah. He's like legit 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, when we saw him then, you know, had, had a little little pudge to him, but he has leaned out uh, a ton. He's now down to 295 pounds. Moves really well, I thought. Uh, I thought he was pretty dang good uh, on Friday night, and Miami's made contact. Now, they have limited spots left, but I think if they uh, can find a, an elite, you know, not maybe not elite, elite like five star, but if they can find a serviceable tackle that they like, then they're probably going to jump at it. And maybe that's Austin Barber. I mean, I was talking to a college staffer in a Power Five program, and they agreed with my assessment of of Barber. And we're going to—he's someone we're going to move up in the rankings on uh on Wednesday. So you feel like he is definitely a tackle? Yeah. Oh, tackle all the way. Um, okay. You know, you got him and Michael McLaughlin. Uh, you you would be in a pretty pretty good spot. Yeah, I saw some Twitter videos. I mean, of Michael McLaughlin throwing up some serious weight. That was uh interesting. I'm curious how I'm when you go out and see him this season. I'm curious what your thoughts are on him and how he's developing. Oh, well, I got it right in front of me on my on my whiteboard. Uh, nine days from now, I will go penciled in. Um, all right, so make sure you guys you know subscribe rate the podcast, uh, leave us some reviews and check out the website inside uh, the u.com. I'm sure there'll be tons of good stuff. And like we, I just kind of teased like football and Miami day gets started on Friday. So uh, I'm sure Gabby and myself will be uh, out making the rounds. Yeah. Check out the dime life challenge too, that we got going on the pickums. Uh, you can join at any time. Um, you know, you're going to be behind with some points probably, but Hey, if you, if you get on a heater, you could catch up to us for sure. You can definitely pass me up. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you who crushed me was Florida State. Yeah, I, I picked that one too. But, I mean, who, who saw that coming? I, not I. <laughs> not I, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, sign up. CB it through the smoke. I'm sure there's links out there on the, on the Twitter pages and whatnot. So, Dime Life, check out their apparel too, dimelife.com. And uh, thanks, everyone, for the listen. I'll talk to you guys later. Later.